Hey guys, it's Travis Moffat. I am here in the car with my very good friend, Pastor Alan Lorenzana, the pastor of the CCI Church from La Ceiba, Honduras. Hello everyone, hello everyone. We are on the road, we are on the way to Orlando. Eh, saludos a todos. Vamos por la carretera, en camino Orlando con mi buen amigo, el misionero Travis Moffitt y su servidor, Pastor Alan Lorenzana, de CCI La Ceiba, Honduras. So we're driving from Tampa to Orlando and uh, we've got a truckload of medical supplies that we are taking to Orlando and then in Orlando we're going to go to, what are we doing in Orlando? Because you got to pick some stuff up there. Oh yeah, we're going to go and pick some uh, Jesus film backpacks uh, that will be uh, used in Honduras to plant churches all around the 18 uh, states of Honduras. Vamos a Orlando a recoger eh, ocho eh, mochilas eh, con equipo para poder proyectar la película Jesús y con ellas plantar iglesias en los 18 departamentos del país de Honduras. So these backpacks have, like, what do you mean a Jesus film backpack? Like, what's the deal with the backpack? All right, uh, they have a projector, uh, they have a, a screen, they have the speakers, and they have all the gadgets that you may need uh, to be able to go to the countryside and uh, even a solar panel and everything so you can uh, project these uh, up to little towns, small villages, uh, neighborhoods, everywhere. And then it's got the little memory card you put in the projector and it shows the Jesus film. Yeah. In yeah. whatever language. Yeah, we, we're going to have it in, in, in four languages over there. Mosquito, we're going to have it in Garifuna. Nice. We're going to have it in Spanish and we're going to have it in English. Eh, el, esta, esta mochila trae eh, una tarjeta de memoria con la cual eh, podemos presentar eh, la película de Jesús en los cuatro idiomas eh, principales que se hablan en Honduras, en Misquito, en Garífuna, español e inglés. Va a estar genial. So, to give an example in, in English, when you might say God bless you, ¿cómo se dice God bless you en español? Dios te bendiga. Dios te bendiga. Y en Garífuna que dice Baniabubungiu. Bendila Bubungio, that's Garifuna. That's Garifuna for Dios te bendiga, which is Spanish for God bless you. So guys, look, we are driving from Tampa to Orlando, and then we're going to pick up some these backpacks, and then we're going to drive from Orlando to Tampa. So this is your chance to call in. So uh, we're going to do like a call-in show today. In Honduras, if you're from Honduras, they call you a catracho. Yo dice siempre, yo soy a gringo, mi cuerpo, pero puro catracho, mi corazón. I'm an American in my body, but I'm a Honduran in my heart. And uh, Alan is certainly catracho. He was born in Honduras, so we're going to call this show Call a Catracho. So we want you to call us if you have any questions about Pastor Alan and his work as a pastor in Honduras, uh, our work as missionaries in Honduras, other parts of the world, or just questions in general. Uh, you know, we don't know, I don't know if we know a lot, but we know a little bit about Honduras and we know a little bit about building the kingdom of God. So we'd love to hear from you. We still have hours and hours today in the car driving. And uh, so give us a call in and uh, we'll air any questions or comments that you have. And we'll do our best to answer your questions about God or the Bible or um Honduras or Alan, one of his favorite pastimes is, uh, he's basically a horticulturalist. He's got, I don't know, how many plants you have at your house? Like, oh, like a thousand. <laughs> like a thousand plants or something, it's crazy. So we'll answer 
you know, questions about plants or whatever you want to talk about. But we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call in and uh, go. So, Alan, we're picking up eight backpacks, Jesus Film backpacks. These are put together by the Jesus Film organization. They've got a projector, they've got a screen, they've got speakers, they've got a solar panel, they've got all the cores, they've got the memory card. You have, how many of these do you have already, these backpacks? We have one. You have one backpack now. Yeah. And eight more coming. Yes. Coming. And so, what are you what are you doing with the one that you already have? Okay. Uh, we have been training uh, our leaders of the church uh, to go to the villages, uh, present Jesus film, and with those who are interested or that has come to Christ through that film, uh, we start discipling them. We make small groups, discipleship groups, and out of those, we start churches. So we have started, we have started around six churches in a year, and our plan is to end up this year with four new churches. So we need those backpacks to do that. But you know, one backpack has been used by our local church in La Ceiba, but. All the pastors of our CCI network uh, have been trained to do the same uh, this last month. So we were just waiting for these uh, uh, backpacks to be ready, take them back to Honduras, and they're going to start also planting churches. We have a goal of uh, planting 500 churches from now to 2020. Wow. That's our vision. And that's for the whole CCI network. That for the whole CCI network. And the CCI network in Honduras, how many churches are in the CCI network in Honduras? Uh, right now we are 90 churches. In Honduras. In Honduras. And you've got another, how many outside of Honduras? Outside of Honduras, uh, we are uh, like uh, 300 uh, churches. 300. Uh, we are in four continents now, uh, around 40, 40 countries. Including the U.S. Like the ahead. Tampa. Yes. There's yes. one in Orlando, yeah. right? New York. Yeah. New Orleans. Uh, we have an Atlanta and we have one in North Carolina. Nice. Yeah. So the six churches that you've already planted using the Jesus Film backpack, using this tool, mm -hmm. um, how long did it take you to plant those six? Well, it's been like a, like a year. Okay. Yes. So wow. it, it takes a year uh, because uh, what you need to plant churches is to have uh, disciples uh, train as leaders, uh, because you can't plant a church but you don't have a leader to be sent. Yeah. So the main thing is to disciple people, and once you start a process of disciple, uh, discipleship, then you have more and more and more uh, people to be sent. They're, now, they're your, planters. Your church that you pastor though is older than a year old. Oh yeah. Uh, we've been. Uh, I planted my church 15 years ago. Okay. Yeah. And you guys meet in the building there in La Ceiba. La Ceiba is the third largest city in Honduras. The metropolitan area is about 250,000 people. Um, so it's a you know a decent sized city. And then you have raised up already though, even though it's 15 years before you started this more um, village type model, uh, you had already raised up other leaders and other pastors and churches within that you guys share the same building space. Well, yeah. Uh, the model we have chosen is uh, we develop leadership uh, and we start new services or new celebrations as we call it 
This one is uh, a dependent church, an uh, autonomous church. Right. Uh, with its own pastor, with its own leadership, with its own uh, worship uh, leaders and uh, uh, Bible teachers and all of, all of the whole set of leaders that the church should, should have. What we do is we share the space, we share the, uh, we plan all those celebrations, we share the, sp the space in different schedules, mm -hmm. different uh, hours. And uh, what I do is I pastor uh, all of these pastors, you know. Mm -hmm. So right now we are uh, 18 pastors that pastors uh, the different services. Yes, yeah, including myself and my wife. That's incredible. Yeah. And then so you pastor a congregation on Sunday morning, and then you also pastor the other pastors. Yes. And then they have congregations Saturday night, Sunday night, and a couple other ones throughout the course of the week. Different hours, you know. Yeah. Or, or church has two uh, meeting rooms. Uh -huh. So some of those uh, celebrations are simultaneous. Okay, so you've got these church, you've got these congregations you developed in your in your same building, kind of your same location, um, and then you started a year ago or so, then you started taking other leaders from within the church and then sending them out of the city. They're going out of the city. Yeah. Well, so how many how many leaders did you start off with in this model? Of sending them out. Well, actually, we started with just one. Huh? Uh, Who was that? Uh, Brother Miguel Rios Miguel. or Pastor Miguel Rios. He's an awesome guy. He he started out of his home. He lives in a neighboring uh, uh, city uh, named Corozal. Mm -hmm. uh, so he started uh, having uh, held meetings there, uh, presenting the Jesus film, yep. and he grew up until it was like 90 people in. In his, in his house. He's got this uh, kind of uh, structure out, 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 out of his patio. Like a gazebo or a gazebo. A champa. A champa. Yes. So he's, he's, he's got like 90 people coming, but then uh, he lost the means of transportation he's got to bring people. He was bringing people from several villages around the place. Wow. But, you know, and that was a difficult moment. We, were, we didn't know what to do. But we pray that we decided that uh, we will still have the meetings at uh, Pastor Miguel, but that we will ask some other leaders of the church if they could go to wherever these other people were coming, the other villages they were coming. So, so instead of bringing them to Miguel's house, they yeah. said, well, let's send other leaders to them where they live, yeah. in their neighborhood. Yeah, so nice. we sent people to a, a community called El Carao, mm -hmm. and uh, the other one is, which is Jutiapa, it's like 40 minutes out of uh, La Ceiba. Right. And, uh, but that's like, that area is like super rural. Yeah. I mean, you're talking like, like some houses with no electricity and, you know, limited running water. I mean, you're close to the city, but 40 minutes out, you know, in Honduran, in Honduras, is, you're, you're out there. Yes. You're yes. like out there. It's, it's a very rural, uh, poor people. Yeah. Uh, but don't tell us as these people uh, is uh, have a hunger for God. Oh man! Yeah, and, and they have received our, our, our pastor, our church planters, with open arms, and uh, church is growing down there. I remember in 2016 we were there. We had the World Race team, and you sent our team out with Miguel. We didn't even leave until it was dark already. It had to be like seven o'clock at night or something, and. Uh, we get to like, 
I don't know, like a pig trail or something, and we just run the trucks off the side of the road, you know, kind of part way up this hill and then down this other road and this dirt road there. And we get to like a, you know, there was a thatch roof and, and follows, you know, to hold the roof up, but no walls. And then there was like 50 people under there or whatever. So they start taking the stuff out of the Jesus film backpack, set up the screen, set up the projector, whatever. We all sat on the dirt. All the team just sat on the dirt. And uh, with most of the people, some of the elderly people, I think had some chairs or something. And then show the Jesus film. It was great. About halfway through, they start bringing us uh, tamales in the dark. You know, we're like, well, I don't know what's in it, but, you know, we're going to eat it, you know. So we had tamales, and then afterwards, I think it was somebody's birthday. So they sing happy birthday, and we prayed for people. People got saved. It was amazing. It was like, man, this is church, you know, under the under the lean-to kind of a deal. It was amazing. Well, that dirt that we're describing will be church as usual. Uh, yeah. If those little communities... Uh, uh, near La Ceiba in Honduras. Uh, one of the things is uh, people come, you know, there's nothing else to do there. And in that community that, that you're mentioning, uh, these people don't own land. So this is an invasion. These people live there, you know, but they're they, like squatters. They, they're land. squatters. They yeah. don't own the land, you yeah. know. So uh, they're very poor people. And, yeah. and our church decided to come to them, you know, and and reach out to them. Many people just don't come to them, you know, and, and it's been great, you know. Okay, so you made an interesting statement. You said, this is church as usual. And uh, I know you're speaking contextually for these poor communities in Honduras, but I also kind of think about, you know, Jesus, uh, oftentimes in the New Testament, it says that Jesus went about the countryside. You know, there were certainly times he's in the city. There's times he's in Jerusalem and he's in the temple in Jerusalem, which was huge and grandioso and, and muy bonito, it was very pretty. Um, but oft, but so often Jesus was also on the countryside. So like the, the, the sermon in the Bible that we commonly refer to as the Beatitudes or the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus delivered the Beatitudes, he's like on a hill. Yeah. You know, he's not in a building. And so in, in the United States, sometimes we contextualize church when we say, let's go to church or are you part of a church? We're thinking of the building or even the institution. But Jesus's description of the church or he used the word the iglesia, uh, they're the, I'm sorry, the ecclesia, sort of the gathering of the people. He was talking about something different, you know, than a building. Yeah, you see, we city dwellers and rich uh, societies uh, think uh, that uh, church is what we know, what we have uh, lived. But in many places in the world, still today, church is an outdoor thing. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's an outdoor sport. If you look at the holiday, <laughs> right, right, right. It's something you do. Uh, it's like football. You football. Know, you were talking about Jesus in the in the hill, but you can also talk about Jesus by the sea or, by or the Jesus sea. by the river. Yeah. Jesus by the which it's all outdoor. You know. He comes up on the demoniac. He's in. Uh -huh. It's it's almost like he's in a graveyard. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So uh, many people, many churches uh, down there doesn't have doesn't even have chairs. Right. You know, they don't right. have any furniture. Right. You know, it's as you were saying, uh, they have a, a little uh, roof, you know, which is made of uh, manaka, you know, which is a kind yeah. of, of the uh, leaves and leaves. Yeah. Right. And no walls, 
no nothing, you know. But no, no smoke machine, no nothing. sound system, no kids department. Not much of anything, but God, His Holy Spirit, man, people with uh, their their hearts for God, uh, singing many times without many instruments. Yeah, you know, a cappella and and but God is there, and, and and they don't need anything else. Yeah. You see, uh, I think many of them probably are better Christians than many of us that live <laughs> here. You know? Man, bro, you're stepping on my toes, man. What's up? <laughs> yeah, it, you know, the Bible says that where two or three are gathered in my name, then I'm there in the midst of them. And it, it doesn't say where you've got, like, a distorted guitar and a rocking drum set. And not that these things are bad. You know, we're not saying that you know, a nice building and a you know place to come and good music and, and, and using technology. I mean, we're using technology right now on this on this Anchor platform. So using technology to, to present the gospel is great, but church is not defined by the, the expense of the building. So, you know, we would say, oh, that church looks really nice. Well, really, we're saying that the building looks nice, but I think the, the real question, the real measurable that we just have to remember is the the measurable of the people and and the reality that when people gather together in the name of Jesus then his literal presence his spirit is there so whether that's in a you know a, a, a million dollar building in Tampa Florida or that's under a you know 20 year old oak tree in you know Corazal Honduras yep. the spirit of God is there Sadly, many, many churches in the world, I think, are on maintenance mode, you mm -hmm. know. So all they uh, want to do is be more comfortable. So they are not uh, reaching out and they are not spending their resources in the vision, in what God has asking us to do. Okay, so what do you mean the church is in maintenance? Or a lot of churches are in maintenance mode, not doing the things that God has asked us to do. What is it that God has asked us to do? Well, He He asked us to go, and uh, we are calling everybody to come. You know, but there's many people that will never come or never show up at the church, and this is our field. You know, the people that will not come, we should be going to them, reach out. Red light to them, camera reported ahead. And share the gospel with them. Once, I don't know, everybody has had the experience of being uh, inviting a friend to church, but he doesn't want to come, you know, and if, when they come, it's just a one-time thing, you know, they come and never come back. Yeah. So, the reason why is people that is not yet in relationship with Jesus, they don't feel the need to come to church. It's yeah. not until you get to know God in personally that you feel, you know, the urgency of, of being part of a church, because that's what you are, you are the church. Right. And so in the Great Commission, what we can define as the Great Commission, Jesus said, this is like the last thing Jesus said to his disciples, literally like as he's ascending into heaven. So this is like the last thing. He says, go into all the world and make disciples of all men and teach them everything that I've commanded you. And I'm with you all the way until the end of the age. And so he gives us the instruction to go. But what you're saying is so often we function, you know, we try to share the gospel or share our faith in the context of extending an invitation to our church building versus going to the people and saying, instead of you coming to the gospel, let me bring the gospel to you. Instead of you coming to my church, let me bring what God has done to me. Red light me. camera reported let ahead. Let me bring uh, 
thank you, ways. Let me bring the gospel to you and share the gospel with you. Yeah, it's kind of a convenient thing to do, you know, because when you invite someone to your church, you are not actually the one that is sharing the gospel. You're sharing your church, you know? Mm. It's not the same, you know? You're sharing your church, but why don't you go as a, as a, as a Christian wherever, you know, there's people that don't know Jesus and share the gospel there. Once they hear the gospel or accept Jesus in their lives, they will come to the church. You know, you will have, you will have a lot of problems to bring them to, to your church. Right. And but, then, then, but then, doing that, you are you are doing what you were ordered as a Christian to do, you know. Yeah. Because it's not that, you know, like the suggestion for the church is a command. Stepping on my toes again, man. That's the that's a tough challenge because, you know, we we all have different gifts or different you know callings or specific callings and and sometimes we get I think sometimes we get kind of caught up in that and so I've I've heard people saying and I'll be real honest I've said it myself so well, I'm not gifted as an evangelist um but the Bible doesn't say that. God gave evangelists so that they could go and evangelize the world and the rest of us could come to church. He tells all of us to go into the world and share the gospel. And then he says he's given apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints to the work of the ministry. So the work of the ministry being that we would go and share the gospel. So evangelists go and share the gospel, but they also help teach and train other people how to go and share the gospel so that we're all part of the Great Commission. Yeah, you see, if you're a Christian, uh, you have a story with God. Yeah. God has done something uh, for you and to you. Yeah. That, for sure. That's you know the basic you know, and that's that happened. Uh, the Bible says so. You share this to others. Mm. You are blessed by God to, to be, be a blessing that's to right. others. And the best blessing you can share is how you came, why you decided to follow Jesus, what were your situation then, why you why you. Uh, gave, gave your life to uh, Christ. Yeah. So when you share that story, many people, you know, start uh, reflecting and also come to faith. You can do that. Don't call it evangelism or call it whatever you know. But headlight camera reported ahead. To you. Right. With all your uh, people, your friends, your family, people you relate to, or even people you don't know, you know. But probably they are needing this message. You yeah. know, Jesus gives life to you. Wow. Jesus gives you hope. So you're saying maybe as simple as just sharing your story of what God has done for you, that's a way to, to share the gospel with people. You know, we don't necessarily have to memorize the whole Bible. You just, you know, start with sharing your story. So let me ask you, what's your story? Oh, I have a story. <laughs> you know, I, I came to Christ when I was very young. And uh, it was uh, like this. Uh, when I was like nine, uh, this uh, missionary uh, teacher in our local school back there in Siguatepeque, Honduras, Mrs. Marilu Livingston, he, he got all together, the kids, and, and, and he started to teaching us how to pray. Mm. So he, he told us that we shouldn't just do repetitions, but also that we needed to come to God and uh, relate to Him as a, a person that loves you as a father that we should come into a secret place, you know, uh, and call out to him uh, and that he will listen, that he listen to prayer. So uh, 
at nine I thought, oh, that's neat. You know, I, I, I will come to go sometime. But I didn't have any need at the moment. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, a couple of months after that, uh, my mom came from the doctor office and uh, she was kind of worried. And they started talking with all the adults at the house. And I, I kind of uh, listened, you know, what they were talking. And, and it was uh, that she got a bad diagnosis uh, on a problem in his bones. At the hospital? At the hospital. She was diagnosed with some sickness? Yes. So uh, I kind of worried, went to the encyclopedia, mm -hmm. you know, which then were books, you know, now right, that. Right, right. Not Wikipedia, yeah, but an Wikipedia. actual encyclopedia. They, they were real books, yeah. you know. And uh, I opened the book looking for the name of the illness, and uh, it was a kind of uh, arthritis. Uh -huh. But you, you know, in this, in this uh, encyclopedia books, uh, they they uh, put their uh, you know the worst case scenario picture of it you know sure so it was uh, people with pain in the face you know uh, all twisted you know yeah so I I was worried so but I I remembered what uh, Mrs Marilu has told us about prayer and I thought to myself okay this is a time for prayer and I'm going to God I'm going to ask him to do uh, something for my mom healer. So I went into my room, closed the door, kneeled, and called to God and told him, uh, Father God, would you please heal my mother? And if you do that, I'm gonna give my life, my life to you. Wow. Uh, okay, that was it. You know, I, I, I rest up. And a couple of weeks after that, uh, Mama went back to the hospital, mm -hmm. and when she came, she came with a big smile in her face. Hmm. You know. The doctor said that uh, he doesn't understand, you know, because he was kind of sure of his first diagnosis, but that he didn't have that, you know. It was just a, a pain that would pass rapidly. So now she had no more sickness. It she was, was She was alright. So I wow. knew, I knew, you know, that God has answered my my prayer. Yeah. And I was happy, but I was also worried about it. Yeah. Know? Because at nine, you know, not knowing much about anything, you know, sure. uh, theology or Bible or whatever, my deal was that he will take my life on, the, you know, he will heal her, yeah. and I gotta give her, him my life. I mean, you're on the hook now. Yeah. So I was kind of waiting, but I, I, I thought I would die, you know. Mm, so but, you you thought it okay? God heals my mom, but he's gonna take me. Yeah. Like there's a. A literal trade-off like that. Yeah, so I was kind of there, sitting, wow. you know, happy with my mom and sad for me. <laughs> yeah, but nothing happened, you know. Uh, I didn't die. A, a couple of years passed. I went to study for a different city in my my uh, high school yeah. at time, and over there, I did, there was this friend, uh, uh, school partner, who invited me to come to this youth group, you know. So this uh, friend of mine, Manuel, invited me to come to the youth group, and I told him, yes, I will come. Uh, at that time, I, I was uh, starting my teenage age, I was 13, and I was uh, kind of confused, I, I've been uh, using drugs and other things, you know, but I wasn't feeling very well about that. So I wanted to go. Uh, but when he came to pick me up at the house, I kind of panicked because I was very shy and the thought of coming uh, to a group where I, I didn't know anyone, it was too much for me. So I, 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 I hid under the bed, you know, uh, <laughs> and he, and my mom started asking, Alan, where are you, you know, I never show up. So he, the guy has to leave, uh, left, leave, you know, for the church. So 
then I went out of the bed, uh, under the bed. Uh, my, mama, my mama saw me and I, what, where were you? You know, so, well, I didn't want to come. Why you did that? You never do that. You, you promised to come, you should uh, uh, come, you know. So next time, you're gonna go to your friend, tell him you're coming, and God forbid if you don't come, you know. So, uh, I went uh, to school next week. I apologized with Manuel and told him to pick me up again, you know, uh, next Saturday. And sure enough, he, he passed by, picked me up, went to the church. And over there, uh, I start uh, listening uh, about uh, the Word of God. Yeah. And there were two things that sticked with me. One it was that God loves me and He cares for me. Mm -hmm. So that was uh, something that hit me hard. And the second thing it was something that He was saying, which is in the book of Romans, He said that Jesus Christ came and died so those uh, of us which uh, he died for won't live for themselves but for him wow so that kind of clicked in me you know i mean yeah oh oh god you thought want... you were gonna have to yeah. die yeah god, for your mom's life yeah god doesn't want me to die right he, he wants me to live yeah but live for him yeah you know so they make an altar call uh calling to those who wanted to uh, give their life to christ yeah, but I was too shy for that, you know. Uh, I wasn't coming in front, you know. Right, right. All of that, you know. Hiding under the bed still. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But uh, anyway, uh, I knew that that was what I was looking for. Yeah. You know, I know that, that God, the Christ, was what I was looking for. And the thought of a new chance in life, you know. Because at that time, I even had some times when I wanted to die. I didn't find, like, a, a purpose for life. At 13, you know, just wow. starting. Wow. And I was I wanted to die. So, but uh, I came back. I came back several times, and uh, there was a moment when the preacher was saying, uh, "All right, if, if you are if you're ashamed of of Christ, he will be ashamed of you." You know. Mm -hmm. So I decided that uh, I, anyhow, you know, I'm gonna have to to give my life to Christ, and I raised up my hands. But that very night, you know, the the place was so packed. And I was so short that nobody saw me. Wow. My, it was so hard to raise my hand, yeah. you know, but nobody saw me, you know. So what I did is I jumped into the into the pew, you know, and, yeah. and, and raised up seat. my hand in the seat, yes. And I, I raised my hand again, you know, and somebody came and, and explained me how to give my life to Christ, wow. pray with me, and that was the best decision that I have ever made in my whole life, yeah. you know. Christ did so much for me and still does. Uh, but his promise, there is a promise that Jesus, uh, Jesus uh, gives, is that you will never be alone anymore because he's going to be with you always. That's right. And that's been true every day in my life, no matter how I behave, because he loves me no matter what. Awesome. Man, what an incredible story. I mean, what a, what a dynamic picture that here's a missionary who came to you and, and shared with you these principles of God. And at nine years old, you know, Jesus talks about a childlike faith. Here's a childlike faith, not knowing. You know, sometimes we think we have to understand everything, but here you are not really understanding everything, but just saying, this guy said I could pray to God for my mother, and so I'm gonna do that. You know, I'm just gonna sort of believe in that. And then even later on in life, several years later, as you're a teenager and trying to figure out life and 
you know, like you said, involved in drugs and, and you know, considering even maybe taking your own life, um, God is reaching out to you again, you know, sending your friend Manuel to say, hey man, come and hear this message, you know, and as you heard the message, as you heard the gospel, then you were able to say, yes, that's what I need. And then since then, your life is your life is totally different. Now you're not on drugs. You're nope. not suicidal. I know. You got a beautiful wife. You got three kids. You got like three grandkids. One on another one on the way, right? Yeah. Almost four grandkids. You got this church that's going on, and uh, God is using your life because He's blessed you so that you can be a blessing to other people. And I think that's part of the beauty of the gospel is that not only does God save us, but He allows us to become like a better version of ourselves. He, he helps us to become more than than what we were. I think I think he helps us to become what and who he actually created us to be. But sometimes we live, you know, we might say we live below our potential or we, we live below really who God created us to be, you know, in, in strife and turmoil and anxiety and drugs and addiction and all of the various things you know we're living kind of below the life that really God has has intended for us and through the gospel where he says I'm gonna bless you Paul says in Galatians that the gospel is foretold in advance to the, to the gen, uh, that God would come and save the Gentiles and he references the promise of God to Abraham back in Genesis chapter uh, 12 and verse 2 and 3 where God comes to Abraham and says, I'm going to bless you so that you will become a blessing to all nations. And that really is the, I think the fullness of the gospel is not just that Jesus saves us so that, you know, we can get out of hell. You know, we, we think sometimes about salvation is like a get out of hell free card. Um, but my dad says all the time, he says, God didn't save me so I'd miss hell. He said, if that was the case, I wish it had killed me right after he saved me, you know, because I've been through a lot of hell since that time. And we've, we've all had troubles, you know even after the point of salvation. But God saved us, certainly because he loves us. He wants to reconcile us to himself in a relationship with him, but also so that we can be a blessing to somebody else, you know, so that we don't have to stay uh, a troubled person, you know, even in ourselves or even someone causing trouble to other people, you know, but we have this opportunity that we can be saved and that we can help share the gospel with other people. We can be blessed to be a blessing. And then that to, to all nations uh, outside of our own comfort zone, our own cultures, and, and our own nations. So that's beautiful, man. Thank you for, for sharing that story. You know, one, one of the things, you know, that I realize is uh, the gospel, the word of God is a seal. And uh, whoever takes that word. In 2.5 miles, thank you turn much. left on North Forsyth Road. <laughs> Whoever takes that seed seriously and treasure it will get the results of a transformed life, a blessed life. So yeah. I will invite all of the people that is listening to, to us today. Uh, probably you have that seed already in your life. Embrace it. Yeah. Look for God and something great will happen to your life. That's right. And if you have any more information, you know, certainly we're doing kind of a question show today. So we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call in if you're on Anchor. We'd love to hear questions, comments. Uh, but if you'd like to talk more even about receiving Jesus in your own life and how to let that seed of the gospel inside of you grow, um, or you know, if you need prayer for something, anything like that, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to pray for you. 
We'd love to tell you more about Jesus. So we hope that you're having a fantastic day. Maybe today, for somebody listening, is the day that will change your life forever. So give us a call in. We appreciate you guys. God bless you.